You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Are we doing this? I, I guess we are. It's been a while. How uh, how have you been, Diana? Uh, we had a big falling out. We haven't been speaking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's been real rough. Uh, I feel a little awkward. Like, um, like I don't know you anymore. It's like, yeah. who even are you? What are you into? But you got you got a good haircut. You're looking real Thanks. good uh, in yeah, that you haircut. Yeah, Thanks. Thanks. Uh, oh man, we ran this out of shit awkward. to talk about. Oh no! Uh, all right, podcast is over. <laughs> okay, it's over. Uh, welcome <laughs> to Femsplained. Uh, welcome to Femsplained. Fem is a girls-only clubhouse podcast where two queer femme best friends, Avalon and Diana, uh, talk to each other and to you about their ridiculous nerdy special interests. Um, but just because we are two queer femme best friends doesn't mean that people who are not queer femme or best friend identified can't listen and enjoy the podcast. That's right. We just think it's important <laughs> to make this space for ourselves. And so we claimed it and occupy it. Oh, and now it's ours. So last millennia, we last <laughs> when we recorded a podcast, we had talked about Pokemon and it was awesome. Uh, before... I hope so. I haven't heard it. Uh, yeah, I know. Neither <laughs> neither is anyone. Um, before we start talking about topics, though, I want to ask you, Avalon, what has nerd culture done for you lately? Probably a lot, because it has been a while since we recorded. Yeah. Um, so, oh, my birthday happened. Okay. So yes. My birthday happened. I turned 30. I received a Switch and some other Switch-type stuff. I got... Uh, some Legos, which I really like, but like I feel like I'm not allowed to have, and I built them. Wait, are and... you talking about real Legos? Yeah. When you've been I messaging like me about real Legos this whole time, I thought you were talking about like a Lego video game. I actually, it's both. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, my my love for Legos uh, is stronger than my love for the Lego video games, but I received uh, the Lego Harry Potter video games for my Switch for my birthday, so I've been doing both oh okay cool i feel like probably other nerd culture stuff i've been playing a lot of smash oh i started running a DD campaign yes you did and you're owning it you're doing the best job maybe we've we've had three sessions i am so uh, proud and some have been better than others <laughs> and i definitely am doing some things very wrong <laughs> but it's fine it was just one little thing and we nipped it in the bud real early did we yeah. Or did we not tell our players? You didn't this? tell them. <laughs> I've just been <laughs> secretly doing the math correctly for them. Oh my god, Avalon. Because I don't want to have to tell the them. The longer you wait to tell them, they're going to join other D&D campaigns. Don't let that happen. Oh yeah. D&D no. spreads like a virus. They will they will sign up for games and show up 
<laughs> you oh, gotta no. tell them they're gonna do such a bad job <laughs> if they show up for someone's <laughs> game. Um, it's just it's just so homebrewed. It was just it was just a little math thing, but honestly though, um, everybody's enjoying the game and Avalon's doing a kick-ass job and she's making up her own story and her own enemies and True. everything, which is making me feel so proud up to my eyebrows it's insane i genuinely did not know that i had the option of not doing that <laughs> so uh well that's even cooler then because like you absolutely could have just uh downloaded like a pre-written campaign oh from the God. canon wizards of the coasts company <laughs> <Kill me. laughs> so much work <laughs> yeah well i'm really proud of you for doing that um, well, and that's you. really cool. You're definitely my inspiration. I'm not going to cry at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else? Probably. Oh, Diana. Yeah. I'm sorry. Were, were you wanting me to ask you what nerd culture has done for you lately? I mean, I forgot how this, I forgot how conversations work. Is it a back and forth between two people? Uh, I think it's. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay. Nerd culture for me lately has been pretty, like, it, it's it's been pretty good overall. A little slow burn going on, but um, lots of cool stuff happening with my COGS family, my oh, steampunk yeah. family. Um, I'm working on a super secret project that I can't really, like, talk about in detail till I drop it, but it's going to be so good and I'm so happy. Diana's cutting an album. I'm cutting an album. It's it's a uh, it's a country classic with a hip hop twist, and nice. uh, <laughs> yes. Also, I feel like you've got a little bit of a T Swift influence in there, and that every song is inspired by someone you've met on Tinder. Yeah, right? yeah. That's why they're all so full of rage. Um, <laughs> there's lots of <laughs> lots of angst in there. No, it's. I'm not cutting an album, but I am working on something, and it's been it's been really fun. Also fun. I think one kind of nerdy thing I did just recently is I went and discovered like an old hole in the wall secret repurposed speakeasy in Manhattan that is now a absinthe bar, and oh. it was very cool because the lady bartender from Scotland who served us was was extremely informative like I've had absinthe tastings before but she walked us through like what every single step of the process was and told us like the history of what we were drinking and everything along the way and I thought it was just kind of a cool little info dump of of something that I've been exposed to before but never really knew anything about so I thought that was great um, That's awesome. Yeah, so that was cool. And then, oh, I don't know, a little thing called the Dreadwolf Rises happened. <laughs> That's the the best gift nerd culture has given me in a while. Probably since the first time someone came to my house and showed me Dragon Age Origins. So, yeah, Bioware dropped a teaser trailer. It was nothing big. It was a 30-second long... <laughs> art concept uh video that they dropped that confirmed that they are actively working on dragon age 4 Yay. which is 
the only thing that matters to me. So, uh-huh. I'm, so I'm vibrating at an extremely high frequency. So that's that's been great. I guess it's not going to be great for me when that comes out. I guess that's like the only thing that will unseat me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just well, I mean, I'm going to play the entire thing on Twitch, so that so you'll have an access Yay. to me. <laughs> I mean, and you have uh-huh. three years, so like. Oh, fair. Yeah, so soak it up. (laughs) Yeah, we'll definitely break up before then. Oh, God. How dare you? I want to be twitching as well. I need to get that stupid capture card. You do. You need it. Which, like, am I the only person who, like, every time wants to make a card capture reference? Okay. (laughs) No? What does that mean? Because the okay, so the stupid piece of technology that I lack that would enable me to stream is a capture card. Yeah, but there was a Japanese comic and cartoon called Card Captors. Oh, you and know like I wouldn't every know that. Time I know, yeah. I, but every time, and I want to like really dive into the whole joke, and like I know no one around me cares. Well, so. if you are listening to this podcast and you know what Avalon is fucking talking about please email us so that we can gauge if she should go off about this <laughs> if she should be allowed to talk on the podcast anymore i'm already definitely i'm feeling really bad about that hufflepuff thing i am feeling really great about that hufflepuff thing i i am i am drinking from my hufflepuff mug right now because <laughs> I, I know you, you don't can't give you can't yeah. make fun of it now <laughs> I can't. I can't make fun of it anymore. Um, look at look at this. Are you drinking this hot? This is my stress neck. <laughs> this is my stress neck. <laughs> no, I just, you know, in my own mind and heart, sometimes I really lean into being a jerk for the, for the lols. And I don't necessarily always really mean it, but then sometimes I get carried away. And I think that happened when I was talking about Hufflepuff. I think so, too. I also do feel bad about something in that episode, the the Peter Pan episode, though. Because I feel like I came across as someone who genuinely believes in horoscopes. Because I talked about it a little too, like, factually. No, you were very disparaging. I, I hope so, because... But you just clarified for me, like, what a Gemini archetype is yes and i hope that's how that came across but i listening it to it today i was like i feel like maybe i come across as someone who thinks this is this real is, yeah uh, we should not listen to it yeah ever. we shouldn't listen to our own podcast that's the rule yeah going forward well all right well speaking of mm-hmm. the podcast <laughs> uh, speaking of hufflepuff speaking of hufflepuff <laughs> let's get a man in here I need a man to help me explain this topic real quick before I try to explain with my my weak feminine mouth. Are you trying to explain this topic? No, you're trying to explain this topic. Sorry. Oh. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. No. (laughs) Could you imagine? That'd be bad. That'd be real bad. Okay. Before we try to explain, before Avalon tries to explain, before any woman tries to explain, we need to get a man. Anything. (laughs) <laughs> we need to get a man in here. Stop. All right. In a man's
starting one minute on the man watch and go. Harry Potter. Listen, I know kids like kids' books, magic is wonderful and very exciting, but like, there's so much better children's literature out there. Like when I was a little kid, I wasn't reading Harry Potter. I was reading like C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien. I just think that J.K. Rowling gets so much credit because she wrote a book on a napkin and became super famous. But like, honestly, look at high fantasy. The people who really world build, you know? I just feel like the tone of Harry Potter is so inconsistent. I mean, first it's just like a kid's romp, and then he gets all whiny and emo around the fifth book. And from that point on, it's all just fan service and shipping and like making moments specifically for the movies. Because J.K. Rowling stopped caring about her writing and started caring about all her millions of dollars. I don't know. I think they're overrated. And that's your Mansplain Minute. Okay, so Avalon, I need you to go off at me about Harry Potter because of many, many reasons, including love. But before <laughs> we do that, Francis, um, now that we have had the opportunity to actually hear the Mansplain Minute before recording, which is a very rare occurrence. It's a rare treat, yeah. Um, the fact that Francis brought up better young adult literature and cited C.S. fucking Lewis <laughs> as an example. The, yeah. the Jesus Lion allegory that Tolkien himself had to bitch slap <laughs> him for. It's too much. I know. No, you don't get to be pretentious about that. No. And I mean, you know, so we're all aware Francis puts a lot of effort into being douchier than perhaps he actually is. <laughs> yes. And he also had he had a really difficult time this week. Um, not that he had a difficult time, but he had a, a difficult task ahead of him this week as right before he recorded, I said, be very careful about this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then he recorded something very nice about Harry Potter. And then I said, no, I need you to be meaner than that. Oh. Um, but I do think that saying that the writing is inferior and that it doesn't count as real literature is is bullshit yeah and something being old doesn't mean that it's good i think that that's something that we can fall back on oh for sure and like in terms of c.s lewis mm -hmm. yeah someone being dead and white and male does not mean <laughs> what they created is good yeah. i don't know yeah and that's um, also i i i mean i love lewis's series in a, to be fair, when I, I was do. a kid, I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah, and me as an adult now. <laughs> I just haven't read it. Is all I, 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 I like. I like. I like the new the new movie adaptation. But ew, I do. I think it's those good. kids can't act. Well, so many kids can act, but those kids are not among I them. I just think I think that that the youngest one is the only one that can't act. I think she's, Ugh. but she's really bad. Yeah. But, you know, Pr Prince Caspian. I don't think I saw Prince Caspian. Oh, okay. I mean, it's worth it for reasons. I liked The Magician's Nephew the best as a reader. <laughs> in the series. Yes. I liked that one. I... Because I think... I mean, none of the kids were in it, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why you just hate those kids. I liked The Talking Horse. Um... <laughs> But that's reaching back. Also, I had no idea that there was anything vaguely Christian happening until like I was in high school. Had you and I had you grown up with Christian like 
shit near no, ears? No, I just thought it was a really fun story. Oh, okay. Because if you grew up with, like, Christian yeah. shit near ears, it's, like, impossible. You could tell. Yeah, he, yeah, he's Jesus the Lion. I know. I was it's really... really sheltered from Christianity. It was amazing. Wow, that's really um, amazing. But then it felt like a it felt like a big betrayal when I realized that I had been tricked into enjoying something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's I mean, you're you're like the the one I think that I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm like naive in the opposite way that you'd expect. Because like Token, who is like kind of. I mean, his one criticism is that his allegory to Christianity is a little bit too transparent. And he told Lewis to knock it off. <laughs> it's like, you're being too obvious. What's Jesus in Tolkien? Gandalf. He dies. He comes back. Uh, yeah. I don't. Not everybody who dies and comes back is Jesus. And made up gods have been dying and coming back for. It was, centuries but before Tolkien Jesus had like up. just reaccepted like Christianity when he wrote the series and it was like oh, I don't know nothing I don't know anyway I don't want to talk about that because I want to talk about the real the majesty the real majesty of Harry Potter so I please. have to say that I'm bringing like a very grave energy to this because I'm afraid of the topic and I'm afraid of my feelings about the topic and I've never like truly accepted them oh my god okay well what because i like it okay okay and and you're not gonna be shitty about it <laughs> or like yeah yeah basically i i it's something that i like so much that i get agitated about accepting the flaws or like <laughs> having realistic conversations about it okay um I get, I get kind of defensive, and so okay. uh, I'm not saying... It sounds like I'm warning you not to say anything. I'm not. Okay. I think I'm just letting you know how dysfunctional I am. No, well, I mean, I really... You let me talk at all about Peter Pan for literally... It was on an I hour know, and not, 50 I'm minutes. I'm not as academic um, about Harry Potter as Peter Pan. But I want... I would really like it if you would just... Just suspend that as much as you can, because obviously I'm not going to judge you for for liking this thing. I know. I know you're not going to judge me, but I am judging me. This is all very internalized. Okay. All right. So, so I specifically wanted to talk about the first two Harry Potter books because I wanted, I felt like seven was too many for a podcast. Yeah, it's a lot. Like one was too few. And then also we can get more episodes out of it occasionally. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway. So start yeah. me off. Okay. Um, so I like Harry Potter. Yes. There are seven books. There are eight movies in the Harry Potter specific franchise. There are two theme parks. <laughs> there is one Broadway production. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's good. Okay. There are several Lego sets. Some of them are more than $200, so you don't get them for your birthday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in the first two books, books, yes, is where we're talking we're about focus. Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone, yes, depending on UK versus US. We're talking about Chamber of Secrets. Okay, have you read these books? So I read uh, the Sorcerer's Stone, and that is the end. I have seen all the movies multiple times. I'm a big fan of the movies in a big way. But for whatever reason, just because when The Sorcerer's Stone came out, 
and was popular. My sister was in like the age group, I think, where they were getting really excited about it. So I read it with her and then kind of was on, uh, doing different things when the rest of these books came out and then the movies hit and I don't know. So I, I missed the books kind of. So when Sorcerer's Stone came out, when it first came out in America, I went to the library because I used to go to the library all the time. And it was the summer before fifth grade, I think. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the fourth to fifth grade region. And it was on the new releases shelf. And I got it and read it because I liked the cover art. We also checked out Labyrinth that day on VHS. I love that great you remember that. library day. What a great day. <laughs> good haul. Um, it was not the first time I had seen Labyrinth. It just, I'm just telling you, it was a good day at the library. Um, I read it very quickly. I was like a voracious reader as a kid. I really liked fantasy a lot. And I thought it was fantastic. But I definitely didn't have any sense that it was going to be a thing I thought it was just some book I had picked up I didn't perceive that it would end up being a series or that like I would ever have a friend that would want to talk about it but I remember when I went to school either the next year or even the following year it had all of a sudden exploded and it was very weird to me because I don't think I had perceived anything being like that fanatically popular besides music groups yeah um, so I thought that was kind of cool uh, and then, like, ever since then, I just have always gotten the book, like, within 24 hours of it coming out and always, like, watched the movie on my birthday weekend because it always comes out on my birthday weekend. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. All right. What, what <laughs> is it about? So I think, I think everybody, of all the topics we've talked about, this is one that everybody's going to have at least a vague awareness knowledge of what is what is the harry potter series what was the appeal to you what what sure got you hooked well so i think that the initial appeal for me is that i think it's really solid world building i think that my suspension of disbelief was immediate while i did not relate to harry specifically um i i just felt like at least i connected with him and all of the characters yeah throughout it i was i mean i was the age where i could also sort of like imagine that it still had the potential to happen to me in some capacity yes uh which is a really big thing and i like the age sort of followed me pretty closely as they were released so even past the point of like obviously i'm not going to hogwarts it caught me at an age where it it seemed plausible but I think, and, like, the characters started getting interested in dating, like, vaguely around the same time that I became aware of it. And just, like, matched up really nicely yeah. for me. I felt very much like I grew up with the characters. But mostly I just think that I I always felt like the world was completely fleshed out. I Like, I always yeah. fully saw it, bought it, saw how it integrated with our world. Like, it made sense to me. It seemed complete. It had, like, cultures and subcultures and issues and, like political issues in history and just a lot of layers that I thought were really relatable or seemed convincing. Yeah, I I really do like JK for including so much things like class struggle and like caste yeah. struggle like in, yeah. in a kids novel. I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I also did not perceive the author like behind the curtain until the series was almost over so there were a few solid books and quite a few solid years where like i didn't have this sense of like who jk rowling was or like what she was about or like 
yeah (laughs) both in good ways and bad so i do think the series in some ways can be kind of problematic not deep but i think that there are some aspects of the world that we could go back and be like is the representation really yeah a lot of sense but yeah and i think that to some degree it's probably that i felt very romantically connected to sort of like it being british if only because I think I was very much force-fed by my family that, like, that's part of my culture, blah, blah, blah. Oh, um, yeah. And I know that's part of everybody's culture. But, like, generationally, it's, like, a little bit more recent for me than some. Sure. Um, I don't know. Whenever I say that, people are like, yeah, my family's from Britain, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, but, like, literally my dad moved here when he was a kid. And, like, my we would visit when I was a kid. Not often, but enough that I had sort of this sense of, like, familial connection. And, and I think that that came out for me um, as a reader as well. That's pretty cool. I, I and didn't realize it was your it was your dad but came over here. I think yeah. <laughs> I think that's cool. That's a that's an interesting point. What I would love though. All right, so the first two books can I get like can you give me yeah, like bad. the the sum up of like what's the what's the if give me the the plot condense of what the first two books are cuz I think we can Do you actually need it? I do. Oh, okay. Book 1, we meet Harry we meet his super abusive situation, mm-hmm. which I do think gets like really downplayed. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of talking about like him not getting meals for periods of time or getting locked in closets for days, like super super traumatic. Yeah, um, in such a way that I think we should also be a little bit more forgiving of Harry when he's like kind of depressed in the fifth book. yeah oh okay everybody treats him like he's just like very angsty and like oh should we forgive him for having this angsty period but it's like guys harry needs some serious help in a lot of ways yeah it's it's i don't know i i don't know does physically does hogwarts have like do they have social yeah. workers on on campus? They, like, they can train you to block memories. Is that the same thing? Um, um. I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So okay. that happens. We we sort of get a sense of like his very bratty cousin as a juxtaposition. He we first find out that he can talk to snakes, which comes up later. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the time, it seems innocuous. The owls thing happens we meet Hagrid we have the very exciting first impression of Diagon Alley where like they get the school supplies and it's like the first time that you're not just hearing that magic is real but you're like painting a picture of the sights and smells of stepping off of like muggle streets and into like a fairy market and and how it's I liked how it was hidden like beneath or or within our walls that part yeah. i thought that was really cool i like that that it added a little bit of like an urban fantasy to this yeah kind, very this much. kind of uh setting yeah 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 and there are a couple of times throughout the series when like suddenly they go to somebody's house that's in like a city that isn't hogwarts it you know isn't like specifically around the castle um but they'll go to different places in england and they go to like a witch or a wizard's house and like either 
it has to be accommodated by buildings on either side of it that like magically like push outward when you know a code or it's like layered upon this world in a very interesting yes. way yeah. and I always like it when those two worlds interface very closely mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and he gets his fucking owl uh and it's just a fucking cool day of getting school supplies i love getting school supplies oh yeah man right that shit is magical there is so much untapped potential for your new life your new self and personality colored Uh, pens i know so imagine that but like with owls (laughs) and fucking wands man i'd go to what could be better yeah i'm hooked so that's awesome uh he ends up you know he meets the weasleys he goes to school there's the very dramatic, like, sorting hat situation, which is, for the first time, really introducing us to the fact that, like, what? Like, something dark is going on? Like, why would this hat be saying that Harry could be an evil wizard if he wanted to be? Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But he chooses good, and that's that's the most significant choice throughout the series. Except maybe Voldemort's choice to misinterpret the Neville versus Harry prophecy. There's a lot of things going on here with, like, what is fate? Yeah. So anyway, so um, so can I ask you a question? Can we pause now that because evoking memories? This is why weird. I kind of <laughs> wanted you to do this is because it Sweat sparking my name, uh, my memory. But um, so with the Sorting Hat thing, can yeah. you tell me? Because somebody has got to explain this to me. All right, I get why Harry has the tear between Slytherin and and Gryffindor. It's representative of his choice between being good and evil but slytherin is not like the house of evil like there are it's not it's not actually do we have in those books any examples of like slytherins that aren't does she ever give that like are there well i think that the okay i think it's hard because sometimes it's like Slytherins are just, like, cunning, and they're ambitious in a specific way, but there's no way that 25% of the fucking population is evil. No! Like, that doesn't make sense. It can't. That's unrealistic. And also, like, then it would just be the sorting process for, like, going to fucking prison. Like, you know? Um, and so I like the idea of them not necessarily being evil, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like is the accepted canon, but the fact that, like, none of them stood against Voldemort at the very end does imply that they're all evil. But the other houses did? Like, what? Is it like, is it like a Republican kind of situation where it's like, yeah, maybe they're not all evil, but they all sided and now they can't, they're afraid to say no because, like, their their reputation and, like, there's so much pressure. So, that makes sense, but I still don't think that that is fair no i don't think it's fair either i want there to be some like Um, good like really determined like like really really ambitious you know i want i want there to be like the the cortezes of the of the of the slytherin house no i agree i was actually thinking about this just today really (laughs) (laughs) because in lego harry potter i got to go into the slytherin common room and I was like, first of all, this is a dope-ass common room. Ugh. Second of all, I would have liked if Harry had had one friend who was in Slytherin. Even if it was just, like, 
like someone he got teamed up with sometimes in class and somebody who he wasn't going to like, you know, wasn't going to be the best man at his wedding, but like they at least understood each other in some capacity just to lend a little bit of human dimension that Draco does not represent every single Slytherin who has ever graduated from Hogwarts. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. But I don't, yeah. So I think that to me, that's sort of like a, a tool of convenience, you know? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I can think of, I don't, I have a spoiler, so I'm not going to say. Ooh. Okay. Okay. All right. So, sorry. Continue. Uh, sorting hat no, happens. And then continue on. I'm going to interrupt you periodically, probably. No. I think that, so the sorting hat offering or tempting Harry with the path of Slytherin it also sort of initially comes across as like this person could be good or bad. But I think that we really establish over time that it's not so much that Harry has like a moral ambiguity or that his fate like is divided at a crossroads, but rather just that the, the mark that Voldemort left on him has like tainted, like almost his like aura to some degree that it's like magical things are starting to sort of misinterpret what he is but it's more that there's like a horrible residue on him yeah and less that like he internally could go either way and i think that's an important distinction i think so too i hadn't actually thought of it that way because i did interpret it as like harry could go but he never really like aside from then and like the moment when he tells malfoy to fuck off in the beginning those are really the only moments where he like chooses but he was never gonna be that yeah um genetically like he was never gonna be that and i would say based on his upbringing he was never gonna be that Mm -hmm. like he was never gonna like be like oh wow you have money and you're a bully i've been fucking physically abused by that for 11 years i can't wait to chill with you yeah he's always gonna relate to ron with hand-me-downs and with like you know not having enough to eat and being like very empathetic and like it just wasn't gonna happen yeah but i feel like they kind of pitch it to you at least in the movie like maybe he could go either way yeah that's what i thought that i was getting from that so and then why didn't the sorting hat give hermione or or do we know if it gave her the choice was it like i don't ravenclaw or gryffindor you have to choose because i can't fucking decide (laughs) Because she's a Ravenclaw. I I think, right, like totally should have been She's a Ravenclaw, Uh, okay. So the canon that I am aware of does not address that. Okay. But it really feels like the kind of thing that like JK might have tweeted about one time. And I just Oh, it absolutely feels like that. Yeah. (laughs) And she's absolutely said something about that. I'm sure. Or like the Pottermore like back info, Mm -hmm. um, perhaps. I, I like... When Pottermore was first announced, like, I immediately got on there and got on the waiting list for it. And I was, like, one of the first rounds of people that got to, like, go through and see it and get sorted into my house or whatever. But they didn't release that much content right off the bat. And then I forgot about it. And then I went back, like, three years later. And it is just a lot. There's a lot of lore there. There's a lot that I just have not dug through. Also, it resorted me and I got really nervous about that. But it was okay. It was okay. I like got scared just now. I got really, I almost didn't take it because I was so afraid. But um, I personally think that there would be a lot of strength in Hermione being a Ravenclaw. I don't think that everybody has some house to be tight. And I think that opening it up to Luna was like really good. It was I thought that was good too. Yes. Because she's not just because Luna is fucking awesome, but like just 
it's nice to have a variety of experience. Yes. And I thought that she also, she's an interesting example of a Ravenclaw because she kind of, she has the the personality, like the the air, I guess, of what you might assume might be a Hufflepuff, but what but she in her in her core is like those it's interesting you say that because if i did not know that character i might say hufflepuff yeah right right on the surface i don't think i even understand what the fuck a hufflepuff's supposed to be because the only hufflepuff that we ever actually get is the jock yeah it's the thing that everyone says gryffindor is like and there's so much variety of personality that we get to explore in gryffindor neville hufflepuff Neville should be a Hufflepuff. Like Neville so should what do you absolutely a be a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Oh. So I don't get it. Neville. I mean, but uh, I, yeah, I don't. I almost kind of think that like that's probably something that J.K. would have changed is like sprinkling them around houses. A little yeah. Bit if I was I'd like a, to see Luna and Slytherin. If I was an accidental popular novelist, I I would have a lot of shit that I would, like if I accidentally like scribbled down a book on my day off and it turned into a popular phenomenon, I I would probably have some some thoughts post post production, yeah. yeah. So I don't try to come for her too much. No. She's I, I have one issue I, I, and it's that she said that she regrets Harry and Hermione not ending up together. And I was like, what? That's huge. That would have changed every scene that would have in the whole book. That would have changed everything. That would have made everything gross. And I hate it. It would have made everything gross. Gross. Disgusting and gross. And no. And no. No. I know. That's the one thing that she said that's really bothered me. Yeah. I, I laugh about her, like, like reimagine things to stay woke, kind of, you know, like, I... I so Dumbledore. Yeah. I am okay with. I was that not one okay I'm with, cool with at first, but I'm okay with it now. That one I'm cool with. That one seemed fine. Also, her Hermione could totally be a, a person of color thing, because her I literal, her description yeah. of Hermione is has nothing in it in the first book. It just talks about her hair. It doesn't talk about her skin color or anything like that. So, like, whatever. It doesn't mention it. Why not have Hermione be any other? I think there's a difference between allowing Hermione to be cast as a person of color and declaring her a person of color, though. Like, because none of the illustrated this, that, the other, blah, 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 like, has been adapted. Well, she didn't. She um, didn't say with that one. She just said that she, when people had started drawing like fan art of Hermione in that mm-hmm. way, or when somebody got cast, and people yeah. adding her or whatever about it, and she was just like, I, never. I, I never said, I never stated, and I could totally see it. So that one, I that one, I think is cool. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, the Dumbledore. I don't one, like I'm JK cool. pretending like she kept it vague on purpose. Like I think that that was a convenient coincidence. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so cool. Yeah, but like some of it just keeps getting more and more like specific. Like Hagrid's, you know, pet snake's second cousin is a transgendered werewolf. Stop it. It's like, no, but it's 
like it's something no the weirdest one is voldemort's snake yeah yeah that's that's a big part a, a part of the new movie it's Oh. Not something I'm prepared to discuss. <laughs> okay. Because I'm talking about the first two. Okay. Go, um, go, okay. So pick up where so, we left off. Go on. He goes to school. We're introduced to all of his classes, which, like, I think that was probably my favorite part, is, like, when it goes into the details of the different lessons and different teachers and the different subjects, mm-hmm. uh, as well as I always like a good food description in fantasy. Love it. So, yeah. So that story is all about, like, the red herring of Snape, when really it's that other professor yes. who's... Eating yeah. unicorns and trying to get the Sorcerer's Stone to make like an immortality elixir that he can feed to the spirit of Voldemort, which is inhabiting if she's hiding from the German. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was shocked by Were that you like, shocked? Shaman twist when I was a kid. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the craziest mind bender of all time. <laughs> And I loved it. And then he had to go back to his abusive family, and that was fucking weird. It was a weird ending. It was a weirdly dark ending. Yeah. The other thing we miss out on in that book, in the films, that I think sucks, uh, is that we miss out on the ghosts in kind of a big way. Ooh. So in the okay. castle, um, each of the four houses has, like, their house ghost. Right. Um, And there's, like, a friar, and there's, like, Peeves, the mischief guy, and there's, like, the creepy Ravenclaw one who ends up being like weirdly important at the last moment of the last book. But there is nearly headless Nick and yeah. he tries to get Harry's help um, in vouching for the coolness of his character. Cause he wants to get into like a secret ghost club <laughs> and they're always like, you can't be in the club because your head's still kind of attached and you died in like an embarrassing way. Oh my God. And you're not cool. So like Harry has to go to like the ghost party, and I just always thought that scene was really cool, that's and we miss out on it in the movies. Oh my god, oh, that's awesome. Okay, that makes me kind of mad that we don't get to see that. That'd I be know. great cinematography. <laughs> uh huh. There's this really like vivid description that really stuck with me, which is that all the food that they served at the ghost party was like rotten and pungent because it was the only thing. If the ghosts sort of walked through it with their mouths, like they could almost taste it of like how foul it was so harry was like oh this is so gross these fish are weeks old that's or whatever. so interesting i think so too yeah that's cool good job jk um, and, yeah and we get all the classes we get a sense of hermione blah 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 hermione what's book- i would say that hermione is like jk spends like a lot of the first book making hermione not redeemable and then redeeming her all at once really yeah like before they become friends before they rescue her i feel like to make it so that it doesn't seem like ron and harry are too big of assholes like hermione is legitimately like pill yeah she's and then after that immediately it's like ron and harry were just being sexist (laughs) hermione's fucking awesome like i don't know i guess that's kind of what it's like when you're in school and you fucking hate somebody and then you're best friends with them yeah no that actually that lines up yeah so what's so what's then what is book two because now we're getting into territory that I only know the movie version. So book two, I think, is the least popular. But I think that's bullshit. Ooh, okay. Um, I think it has a lot of strengths, and I think it sets up the series in a way that book one does not. Okay. I feel like JK, like, one exploded. She had a contract for it to be a series. And then between writing one and two, I think she really sat down and and actually wrote out the story for several books. She actually wrote an outline. 
Uh, I I feel like if ever she wrote an outline, it was between one and two. And then I think maybe again between four and five, she wrote. She was like, oh, wait, something else should happen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's one with Dobby. So we start with Harry being particularly restless. He doesn't live in a closet anymore because his uncle and aunt are like kind of nervous about his magic thing. And so now he gets to live in his cousin's second bedroom. Which, like, just oh my deal with God. that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, his uncle has an important business meeting, like, dinner party thing. So Harry has to stay in his room. But, like, Dobby comes and fucks it up because he's trying to sabotage Harry being allowed to go back to Hogwarts. Right, right. So we meet Dobby, who initially is so fucking annoying and I hate. But in the long run <laughs> is the most important thing to me. Good, because I'm like, I in loved him instantly. <laughs> I know. I just thought he was, like, too much. And, like, his, like, self-flagellation thing was, like, just so... It was just, like, too much. And he was just shrill and fucking things up. It was just annoying. So, um, in addition, I guess I should say, to being introduced to Dobby, we're introduced to House Elves, which become a huge part of the book series and not a big enough part of the movies. Okay, I've heard that before. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I... Dobby is pretty much... Dobby and that one other grumpy one are the only <laughs> <Creature>. ones... <laughs> Are the only ones we see in the movie. Uh, I knew somebody in my undergrad whose initials were K and then Richards was their last name. And I just would call them Critchard and it would remind me of Creature and I just thought it was a fucking hoot. And it would make them so mad. It would make them so much madder than it should have made them to be called Critchard. Did you keep doing um, it after they told you to stop? What the fuck is wrong with Critchard? It's a lovely nickname. <laughs> If I could draw what a, I think a Critchard looks like, what kind of weird mythical beast a Critchard is, I would. And it would be funny. I bet you could. It would have wheels. <laughs> what? <laughs> I bet you could do it. Um, yeah. So house elves, as we learn, mm-hmm. are doing everything yeah. behind the scenes. Magic is not doing things. House elves are doing things. House elves are cooking all of the meals for all of the students. House elves are cleaning all of Hogwarts. House elves are literally slaves. Yeah. And kept in rags, but they're also incredibly, like, they're, like, borderline immortal, like, hyper-magical, natural, like, beings that have, like, culture and language. Yeah. And it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Um, I, 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 I did feel like the movies really robbed us of understanding that because I feel like Dobby's reveal later on should have been more powerful because it should have been more meaningful because we didn't know that house elves had those like extreme powers like if you only watch the movies you don't know and what's crazy is like we're introduced to house elves basically just with dobby and you're like oh okay it's like a servant that rich families have and it's like a kind of a creature but then in later books we realize like oh not just these back ass word old blood families like the Slytherins have these things. Like, Hogwarts itself has an army of them. Mm. Like, that's so fucked up. It's not just Lucius Malfoy. And I think that that's the most important character development that we get from Hermione, because Hermione becomes obsessed with, like, a social justice movement to raise awareness for liberating elves. I've heard this before. That's not even addressed at all in the movies. Not even a little bit. But, like, she becomes so into it that, like, the boys are like... Not only eye rolly, but it's like Hermione, are you gonna help us like defeat Voldemort? Like, <laughs> 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 enough. 
with these fucking elves. And the elves are like, no, Hermione, we like this. And she's like, no, you don't like this. You are just fucking Stockholmed. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. Yeah. And, like, Hermione keeps, like, sneaking clothing into things that the house elves will find in an attempt to, like, liberate them because that's how they're liberated. Mm -hmm. And they're like, please stop. (laughs) We love this. We love it here. This is our favorite thing. You don't understand that our culture is that we love being slaves. Which, I don't know if that gets resolved in a way that I'm I'm ever comfortable with. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... Um, But Dobby, at some point, like, so Dobby's free and Dobby gets a free girlfriend. Um, That sentence is weird. Dobby gets a girlfriend who's also a free elf. And the two of them kind of, like, try to help the other elves learn self-respect or whatever you want to Or, like, just, just like, like an awareness so, of what it could be like. Of their value as a fucking living being. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Holy so, crap. So, I do think that we're kind of robbed of that. I understand that things have to be cut out, but boo. I think that the things that got cut out were the things that were CGI. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right, so, so so we meet Dobby. Dobby. Oh yeah. Yeah. Go. Uh... So we meet Dobby. Uh, he's repeatedly trying to sabotage Harry's ability to go to Hogwarts because he overheard the Malfoy family conspiring about Hogwarts this coming year. And Dobby doesn't know Harry, but like he knows like the legend of Harry, and he wants to keep him safe. So he puts himself at great risk and betrays his family to like stop Harry from going because he knows that Voldemort is gonna they're gonna try to bring Voldemort back. All right. So right, so like he seems like an enemy at first, but he's he's not. He's really just like yeah. a, a well intentioned Yeah. And I yeah. think that that reveal is like I think he almost comes right out and says it. Yeah. But he's just so like he's kind of a jar jar. Like he's just like physical comedy and he's annoying and he's fucking things up and Harry's just like, God stop. So Dobby tries repeatedly to save him by getting him in trouble with his uncle and aunt, by blocking platform nine and three quarters so they can't get on the train, and then by sabotaging one of the balls in the Quidditch game so it attacks Harry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's it. So, obviously, none of that works. Uh, Meanwhile, we meet Ginny for the first time, Ron's youngest sibling, and the last of the Weasleys. She gets to come to school that year. She's a year behind them. She has the diary of Voldemort from when he was, like, a teen. She has uh, it? She does. It got slipped into her stuff when they were buying school supplies on purpose by Lucius Malfoy. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the diary, in that way, is able to return to Hogwarts. We don't know what it is, but it's a horcrux we learn later. It's the first horcrux we're introduced to. Mm-hmm. So it has, like... As a, as a reader at the time, without the benefit of hindsight, it just seems like it's imbued with Voldemort's spirit somewhat arbitrarily, just through the nature of being a diary. Mm-hmm. And so she's writing in it as her own diary, but then it like talks back to her and it's like giving her love advice because she has a big crush on Harry. But then it also causes her to like black out and do things around the school, like paint the walls in blood and like like free the basilisk or like other kinds of like not awesome stuff i think Ginny is not given enough anything in these movies like no not at all because like i don't even remember that that was her yeah yeah um she like plays a huge part in that and i think it's important in the book that she isn't a big part of it because it makes her a red hair or like it makes it a surprise when you find out like it was fucking Ginny this whole time has been caught up in all this Mm -hmm. but like in the movie i think they could have given her a little more 
if she was like around more in the movies, yeah. then they could have revealed that. But like she's just not yeah. like she's introduced and then she's barely there. She's not there. It's like a lot of like she gets a deer in the headlights look whenever Harry is around because she's got a crush on him, and then like. That's, like, it in the movies. She barely has any lines. But it is well established that she has a crush on him, like, from day one. What else happens that, like, it's kind of skated over? We find out that Harry being able to talk to snakes is a bad thing. Yeah. People start thinking, like, he's the one who is the heir of Slytherin and is letting out the basilisk and whatever. Yes. Um, it's our first time that we think that Hogwarts, like, maybe is going to get shut down. And we're introduced to the government like the magic yes, government because yeah. they like start to intervene and they're like you've got kids not dying but being attacked and like are you a competent headmaster dumbledore right like, does the prime minister need to get involved blah 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 and then so what's the what's the main what's the end plot uh, like plot goal of that of that book slash movie so Ginny has let a basilisk out mm-hmm and it's crawling around the pipes of the school. Mm-hmm. And it's making hissing noises that only Harry can hear. But what Harry is basically hearing is, like, whispers about, like, eating people and, like, ripping them apart. And, like, eating blood and bones and shit. And Harry is going nuts. Because no one hears anything but, like, faint hissing pipes. So even Harry's friends are starting to think, like, is this guy evil? Because, like, this, Maybe he's having some trouble. Yeah. And then he, the, the basilisk, if you, if it looks directly at you, it kills you. But if it looks indirectly at you, like in a reflection, it has a Medusa effect. Are you like, uh, uh, petrifies? Is that it? Yeah. It petrifies you? Okay. Yeah. So the cat, the janitor's cat, Mrs. Norris, gets it. The janitor and his cat are like, do you remember them? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. You're looking at me really hard. No, no, no. So Filch, Filch. He's gross, right? Yeah. And he's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes in the series, it's like, maybe we should feel sorry for him because he was born to a magical family without magic powers, but then he just is consistently evil. Yeah. So his cat gets petrified and he gets super upset about it. And then this new kid that's like super obsessed with Harry gets petrified, Colin Grevy. He's been like following Harry around, like taking photos of him nonstop. It's really annoying. And that's why he's only petrified is because he sees the basilisk through his camera lens. The cat sees it through a reflection in the water because one of the pipes sprung a leak because the basilisk is in the pipes. Mm -hmm. And then Hermione figures out that it is a basilisk. And as she's running to tell Ron and Harry, it happens to her. But she has the forethought to bring a mirror. Mirror to look around corners and stuff. Right, right. Because she figured it out. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. So then, so then it's just down to Ron and Harry to resolve the conflict. Is basically where we're at. Yeah. This year's Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher is Gilderoy Lockhart, which is Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. He's like incompetent but sexy. He's kind of born sexy yesterday. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> He's if not I could bad. Describe I don't my mean... face when you said sexy. <laughs> I mean sexy. In that world, he's considered, like, a heartthrob. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, a lot of time goes into how much, like, all of the female witches are, like, fawning over him. Yes. I, I, I persistently do not understand how they cast that in that It was way. weird. It was weird. Just um, so upset. So, anyway. I don't know. They, whatever. They end up with him in the basement when they're going to fight the basilisk, like. For no good reason. But then he and Ron kind of get stuck in a cave-in, so it's just Harry. 
And Harry discovers that Ginny is in this big underground tomb. Tom Riddle is there, like, in the flesh. Oh. Ginny is unconscious. He's, like, sapping her life force in order to become material. Mm-hmm. And then Harry has to fight the basilisk, which is a cool scene, I think, uh, both in the book and the movie. Um, also, Tom Riddle is so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> At least, like, to me at that age. Uh, yeah. Tom Riddle and Oliver Wood, which is, like, the Quidditch captain on the team that Harry is playing for, were both, like, smoking. Smoking. So good looking. Anyway, um, yeah, Tom Riddle really makes that movie. So he fights the basilisk. The phoenix comes to him. We're introduced to Dumbledore's pet phoenix oh, yeah. uh, in the course of that book. And the phoenix brings the hat of, brings the sorting hat. And Harry's like, what the fuck? And like reaches in it and pulls out the sword of Gryffindor, which is like the Gryffindor house item. Oh, and I that's forgot. how he knows that he's like the chosen. He's like chosen by Gryffindor and approved by Gryffindor and a true member of Gryffindor. Wow, I forgot that. Yeah. And that sword matters at the end. Well, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, kills the basilisk, stabs the horcrux book with the basilisk fang. And it like, does it bleed? Is that like a thing that's in the... Ink. Like in the movie, like ink, ink comes out. Ink comes out. Like okay. It's yeah. not like blood. It's not blood. Okay. No. But it could look like really dark blood, but I think it's supposed to be ink. I think you're probably right. I think I, think I wanted it to be darker than it was. Um, I think the day is saved. Yeah. And like Hermione is like in sick bay, overcoming. Yeah, she's in sick bay. Overcoming. So, like, the, that's the book where they get really into the herbology class, which is nice because that's what Neville really excels at. Uh, and so we get to see Neville like not failing at something oh, uh, and building his confidence a little bit. But in the beginning, when they have to like repot the mandrakes, which are like baby screaming roots yeah um we learned that like when the mandrakes mature they can be turned into a potion that unfreezes everybody or unpetrifies everybody oh. so it kind of ties the lesson from when they first start that term or that school year it like ties it in with the resolution in a nice way that is really I nice think. i didn't remember that uh, oh yeah. that's good and neville's good at that neville's good at yeah he's good at herbology that's so fucking cute i yeah. <laughs> i love him he's good <laughs> okay. yeah he's wonderful he's so good um, and then remember when he gets hot that, when he gets hot yeah why i don't know just when it happened he's just so, um so good i liked it when like i thought as a youth that harry was gonna keep getting hotter and like kept getting hairier weirder <laughs> just he just kept being more Harry Potter. And then the one movie where none of them got haircuts over the summer. I fucking hate that one. Why? Because a new director. And that was also the movie when they started wearing muggle clothes when they weren't in class. And that stuck across the following directors. And that has always driven me nuts. Because the first two movies are the same director and have the good Dumbledore, which it's not the director's fault because he died. Yes. But, like, it really bothers me that they all start hanging out in hoodies after that. Yeah, that was weird. That was very weird. But, like, in the f- first two, they're just always in wizard clothes. Yeah. Because when you're at As Hogwarts... As they fucking should be. Yeah. <laughs> and they get 
fucking haircuts and they don't look like members of the Beatles running around all willy-nilly. It was, the the haircuts were bad. So it was, distracting. It was, it was like me at the end of any semester in real life college. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. That, that, okay, so that started in the third movie and that director took a lot of very weird tonal and creative liberties that I found to be incredibly distracting and unacceptable. Because that's the first movie where shit's starting to get serious. And, like, I don't need that to be the movie where, like, weird, like, bongo drum score is coming in. Yeah. And, like, the shrunken heads for no reason are, like, the comic relief constantly. Sassin. Like, (laughs) it's, like, really not okay. And I almost didn't, like, forgive the series after the third movie dropped. Can but I, I think that it got back. Can I drastically what? change the topic? And I want to know, how old were you when the last book came out? Do you remember or do you know roughly? I was in college. It was my, it was my freshman year of college, but I don't remember when during the year. It might have been the spring, I think. So it would have been 2007. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right. Okay, so like um, sophomore year? Your freshman year? Okay. Yeah, because I was at the school I went to on Staten Island for, like, one year. Okay. So, so like, reading that... I know we were talking about the first two books, but reading the last book... That's fine. Was, what was that, like, closing that book? Did you know... Did we know collectively that that was the end? Yeah. We did? It was, like... Yeah, we did. I... It didn't matter as much to me as maybe it could have if I had just been a couple years younger. Because I think that I gained a little bit of cynicism from not loving some of the choices the movies had made. Oh, yeah. Um, And also just from being at a point in my life where, like, I was very disenchanted with childhood. And, you know, like, figuring that out for the first time. Having a fucking attitude about thinking I was an adult now. Yeah. Um... And I think that I was not as, like, enchanted with it. I had had a lot of issues with the sixth book. So I had kind of, like, a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. But I know that I, like, all of... I Each one of the books I read, like, within 24 hours of acquiring, it just, like, became the only thing that I could do. And I know that I did that as well. But I don't think that it, like... I think I was satisfied with it. But I don't think I was in love with it. You didn't have, like, that... But did you have that, like like picking up the last book of the Animorph series like like <laughs> a, 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 like did you have an episode the gravity of it the gravity you mean? Like, yeah 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 and you know so for me like the way now I typically deal with that is that I refuse to consume the final thing of a thing yeah because I don't because it's easier yeah for me to just leave it open especially in a in a world where so many things I love just get canceled and I don't get a conclusion it's really easy to just like ignore a conclusion for things yeah but i did definitely know the gravity of it i feel like the fifth movie had just come out or it was coming out soon or it was around that time mm-hmm. i don't know i just was kind of like i wasn't sure i was more than lukewarm but i wasn't like this is beautiful <laughs> there were some really difficult to process deaths in it yeah for sure did uh so uh, all right back to the first two books so early on wow. in it, I want to know who did you identify with the most and who did you crush on the most? I probably crushed on Harry. Mm-hmm. I see that. I don't know if I identified with anybody. No? I, maybe I identified with Harry. 
<laughs> the bisexual dilemma. <laughs> not, not because, not because there's anything about Harry that I actually identified with, but because we do get, it's not first, it's not written in first person, but we do get his perspective more so. But I think that just genuinely, I saw myself as a protagonist in Hogwarts. Yeah, and and he was, he was that also venue. that I yeah. was like, I could be the girl version of Harry, but also if I was there, I would like Harry. Yeah. <laughs> so that I could be the closest to the action. <laughs> yes. I do know that later in the series, we're introduced to Vila, which is like a kind of humanoid mythical siren kind of thing, which for some reason have way more rights than any of the other humanoid creatures. But I decided that like that's what I would be in the fan fiction in my mind. Wow. Because they were like undyingly attractive. <laughs> <laughs> And Harry would not be able to resist. <laughs> and that, it always comes back to that. Okay. I was going to be half human. Half human. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, good. Half Vila. Wait, what, what are those creatures? Vila? I don't know what to equate them to except like a siren. But the character Floor de la Cour, yeah. uh, who comes from the French school to compete in the Goblet of Fire, is like the silly blue hat. Okay. She in the book is half Vila, half human. And we learn about Vila earlier in that book. God, I hope I'm not wrong about this. We learn about Vila earlier in that book because they're the cheerleaders for one of the teams at the Quidditch World Cup that they all go to. Wow, holy shit. And Harry's like, what are those? And like all the, like Fred and George are like, oh my God, like it's so fucking attractive under the spell. Like maybe I'll jump off the fucking bleachers that are 20 stories high. Uh, and everyone's like, be careful with the Vila. Like, they do this to men. Like, they're trying to hold it back for the cheerleading routine that they're doing for the Bulgarian Quidditch team. But, like, put on headphones. I don't know. I haven't actually read that one in a while. But oh, that's my, my God. Of it. Okay, so that's like And then like later they're like, wow, we really are so attracted to this girl from the French school. And people are like, well, she's half Vila. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I decided that summer that, like, that's definitely what I would be. <laughs> Well, I would jump off a 20-foot bleacher to, <laughs> to, yes. to get to you, Avalon. Oh, my God. Did I forget anything else that I think is important that was not in the movie? I don't think so. People people do tend to, it seems like, think that Chamber of Secrets is, like, the most inconsequential or, like, boring one. But I don't think it was. It, we meet Moaning Myrtle we, for the first Yeah, time. we meet Moaning Myrtle. We, we are introduced to Horcruxes. Is that right? Well, we are, but not by name. We don't know what it is, but it's seeded. Yeah, uh, yeah it's We're seeded. introduced to, to Tom Riddle. We're introduced Riddle. to young Voldemort. Yeah, to Tom right? Riddle. And that humanizes him in a weird way, because we haven't seen Voldemort at all, except like a weird specter on the back of someone's head. Right, we're given some backstory to him. Um, we're given we a- see um, baby Hagrid. Not yes. Baby, but like teenage Hagrid. Young Hagrid. And also uh, bits of... of uh, Dumbledore's past, right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, because he's just a professor in yeah. the flashbacks. Uh-huh. And, um, and uh, also Harry's parents' past, maybe-ish, a little bit in that one? No, no. we see them in the mirror in the first one. But, but we... the, the past that they go to in the second book is much more distant than the past where Harry's parents are. Oh, we don't see, like... Oh, no, I'm thinking of something else. It's later. No, no, that's yeah. later. You're right. Okay, you're right, you're right. But one thing that I remembered that I like in the books is that in the beginning of the second one, Harry 
goes to Ron's house for the first time, the borough, and that's like a really special place. The best parents in the whole wide world. Yes. And like that's where you get all of this wonderful imagery of like the knitting that knits itself and like the roof is falling down and it's on like stilts and they're like clearly very poor but like they're very happy. But also one thing that's not in the movie that's so stupid but like a lot of time went into it is that Harry helps them with chores around the house when he's there for a limited time. Yes. And the one thing they have to do is like go fuck up all these like lawn gnomes <laughs> that are like mean and like they'll bite them kick them and stuff and they have to like fucking like shot put like throw them i think that's my recollection of it but it's just like a funny little detail that obviously didn't make it in the movie but i appreciated about like a glimpse into the life of the weasleys is fighting lawn gnomes off while you're yeah while you're trying to fuck them up and we learn also Clean. for the first time that mr weasley arthur is like secretly obsessed with muggles and like muggles things yeah. in like a very little mermaid way yeah <laughs> like has all this shit that he's like taken that he's trying to figure out like what muggles do with it oh my god it's like stupid stuff he... like toasters and stuff <laughs> he's so cute he's really cute oh my god i i love them so yeah i think that's just the first two if you've read them or seen the movies this was probably so boring because i just said literally what happens no but we gave our we give our insights and opinions and i you know i have maybe one more big question and that's first first two books if you could <laughs> if you could fuck mary kill oh god <laughs> moaning myrtle nearly headless nick the fat lady? Is that what she's called? That's the lady in the painting? She's a painting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fuck, Mary kill, <sighs> moaning Myrtle, nearly headless Nick, and the fat lady. Kill the fat lady. <laughs> I guess fuck, moaning Myrtle, and marry nearly headless Nick. All right. I mean, I don't feel great about fucking moaning Myrtle. I'm not, like, enthusiastic about it, but I, I have to kill the fat lady because she's the worst. And I would like to limit the amount of time I have to spend with Moaning Myrtle. Plus, there's, like, a little bit of, like, a joke in there with the moaning. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Plus, like, she's, yeah. She's not, I'm making a face like I'm turned on by her, which I'm not. But she is, like, she is someone who seems to possess lust. So it makes sense. Yeah. I also yeah. think of her as the, the fuckable one in that trio because I'm thinking of that actress's role in that one Doctor Who episode where she literally becomes a fuck toy. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah. She, she also definitely gets, like, really weird with Harry in the fourth movie. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I really think that actress was quite old. <laughs> like, I... Because she was in, like, the Bridget Jones Diaries movies, like, as, like, a friend of Bridget's. Like... Oh, I did not know that. 20 years ago. <laughs> So, all right, if you could come up with, like, a, do you have a, a, your own fuck, Mary kill that I could, that's better than mine, because you probably do. Fuck, Mary kill the three Weasley brothers that you don't know about. <laughs> 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 like, the ones that I've never heard of because they're not George yeah. or Ron <laughs> or... <laughs> oh, that's another really important thing that they cut out is... Percy, which is Ron's immediate, no, Fred and George's immediate older brother. Yeah. He um, ends up totally mattering because he uh, 
ends up like betraying the family and siding with the government when the government thinks that what was a criminal yeah what yeah he becomes like a big government lackey and like thinks that his family is like beneath him i'm and that like the betrayal of that is a big deal yeah no yeah no kidding holy shit that's a big deal yeah and I really, I hate that they, like, I think they breezed over that because they didn't feel like introducing Percy when he was at school with them because he was, like, still at school with them. Right. For the first couple of, but then, so it didn't make sense to really bring him back. So they, like, bring him back, like, they put him in the room, but they don't bring the conflict truly into mm. it. Yeah, no, I had no awareness of that. And then one of the older brothers becomes a werewolf eventually uh, and marries Flor de la Cour. And one of the brothers, I get them confused. There, there are two like old handsome ones that are like not in school anymore when they start school. And one of them trains dragons in Romania, and one of them like works for Gringotts Bank. And they're like super sexy. <laughs> Wait, how many Weasleys are there? Weasley children? Too many. One, two, three, four, five, seven. Seven. Yeah. The only girl is Ginny. Oh, poor babe. I know. My God. <laughs> Yeah. And like, and like, the, two yeah. of those are Fred and George. That's like, I know, that's a and lot. So Ron is the youngest boy, which sort of explains Ron. Yeah, <laughs> he's like the middleiest child, he's, even though he's not in the middle. Oh, he is a middle child. Oh, good boy. That does not help you in terms of fuck Mary kill. So we're gonna say Draco, cousin Dudley, and Percy, which is that brother. That betrays the family. Okay. I know that killing Percy would upset the Weasley family, and I can't do that. So I would. Understandable. I would kill Dudley because he's a lost cause. It's done. It's over. Yeah. I would fuck Draco Malfoy, and of I would marry Percy because yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get closer to the family. <laughs> yeah. And I would marry Percy, one, to be closer to the family, and two, maybe I can, like, subtly influence his political changes with my sexual allure slash empathy skills or whatever, you know? But, I like it. Yeah. And you're going to get a sweater. And I'm going to get a sweater at Christmas. At Christmas. Yeah. I'm going to be That's wrapped a in a blanket of love. So, yes. Yeah. All right, well, you survived yeah. this episode. <laughs> Where I still think that I probably just said everything that everyone already knows. But I really enjoyed talking about it. I loved listening about it. It was good. Well, thank you. It is so good. I'm, um, I also want to take this opportunity to say that I'm going to go to Harry Potter World soon. When? On my spring break. That's awesome. I've been before, but it's like doubled in size. They opened up. Yeah, it's half. been like hugely developed. Apparently, I have never been, and I really, really want to go. It was pretty legit when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, Damn it! But I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be too much. I'm gonna be. I'm not somebody who usually allows myself to be extra. Yeah. Or like very out in fandoms, but I'm. I'm resolute to like dress. A certain way. Yes. yes. I don't know what that way will be. You're going to be in a house elf costume. I... Oh my God. I'm going to be like <laughs> naked with like a scrap of clothing clinging to half of my butt. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and if I go to Ollivander's wand shop for the second time and am not chosen, uh, and instead a child is chosen for the demonstration, we'll see what happens. <laughs> because Harry Potter world is not for children. They have not put the time in. They, they have they, not put the time or the emotional energy this in is, that it's I have It's literally, put in. at this point, it's not for children. It has it's only... not. It's almost been 20 years of my life, um, yeah. and they haven't even experienced 20 years, so... I'm pretty sure that Harry Potter world is for me yeah. and that that actor who's playing Ollivander needs to pick me to test out a wand. Yeah, he does. We'll see what happens. We'll see. How- <laughs> <laughs> Live stream Avalon getting arrested at a theme park. Yeah. <laughs> this is how dark wizards happen. Yeah. It just takes one moment, one moment in history. I need I need that to happen. All right. Well, I one can't wait to bail you out of jail. Uh, yeah. Two, I can't wait to hear more about further books going down the line because yeah, I'm really excited about it. And also more games of fuck Mary kill. For yeah, more characters. listeners. So if I said anything wrong full on don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't my heart, my heart do is pure. not yeah <laughs> no we'll we'll um, all be in trouble including me if you criticize what Avalon <laughs> says in this episode my heart is pure but if you have any good ideas for fuck Mary kill from the first two books only i very very much want to hear those hell yeah i love that yeah. a lot and then also tell us what house you're in and if it's Hufflepuff, at me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are aware that this Hufflepuff thing is just like a weird hipster Tumblr culture thing, at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. What are you going to do now, Avalon? I'm going to go play um, co-op Stardew Valley on the lesbian farm I started with Francis. Oh, I'm so jealous of that, weirdly. Yeah, you should be. I am. You could be there. It can be up to four people. You could be on our farm. You get your own little house. I know. Well, I have to, you know, make a million we more dollars. We sleep together in the big house. And then I'll get an, I'll get the outhouse. And you get a little cabin. I'm going to be Dobby the half-self that lives. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. You're the best. Bye, Thanks for not being alienated. Bye. Bye.